This is DWZ Podcast here with J-Rod here. Deleted WrestleZone's very own podcast of professional wrestling with AEW, NXT, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance, various promotions, wrestlers, matches, and championships. I am your host, J-Rod here. So, welcome back, everybody, to another podcast episode. We got some interesting topics I want to point out. The first one is, in fact, a match that I rewatched. This one is from um, FMW-E, which stands for Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, which is the same one with the documentary of the uh, Dark Side of the Ring with FMW, the Onita story. Well, this one was a different uh, type of event called Sky High that took place on October 24th of 2021. The match that got me uh, hooked on this one was they had like a tournament for women involving themselves in death matches. And I mentioned the so-called prominence a couple of times. Well, in this particular match, one of them was involved. And that one is Zuzu Suzuki taking on Madeline. Now, you asked me, why is this match so f- fun and unique? Well, I'll tell you why. Madeline, I've seen her before. She has, I've seen her on, mostly she's with... Uh, World Woman Pro Wrestling Diana, but she has done work with other promotions such as uh, Ice Ribbon, um, any other promotion in Japan that's willing to book her. But this one was a real funny one where Madden didn't seem like the type who gets involved in death matches. So she's like, if you guys seen the Japanese, they normally get their hands out and they post the X, you know, like stands for no. And... <laughs> Basically, she has her back turned like she was about to cry. And Zuzu's like, I don't know exactly if Zuzu told her, but she was like telling the ref, like, is she crying? And of course, uh, (laughs) Madeline was being overdramatic because she did not ask for this type of match. Now, I said before, this is not her forte. She doesn't get involved in death matches. So (laughs) what happened is that there were moments where, of course, when Madeline saw that Zuzu Zuki pressed the button to arm the, the exploding barbed wire baseball bat. She runs demanding Zuzu to turn off the, to arm off the bomb. And of course she did that many times. And I thought it was so funny. I mean, she's more of a straight up wrestler. I mean, I see Madeline, she throws in a bit of a comedy match. You know, one time the, one of my favorite matches I did enjoy with her is when she was facing Kikutaro. Now you guys know who he is. He's a bit of a pervert when it comes to women. That's how he plays it out. But in this one, it was more like she's afraid of getting blown up, getting attacked by using weapons that not even she can withstand, especially when it's someone like Zuzu, who is far more dangerous. <laughs> and, of course, the, the one thing I think many fans might have expected was, come on, Zuzu, just arm the damn explosion and hit her with the baseball bat and kaboom. I think that's what many fans might have wanted, but I don't think she needed it because when the alarm was when the alarm of the arm of the of the explosion happened, I think she was in a panic mode. But when Zuzu realized she pinned Madeline, it was over, and I'm like, hmm, it looked like she didn't need to to hurt her. Now you ask me why is this match really interesting to talk about? Uh, because I thought it was really really funny because I never expected this from Madeline to be involved in this type of match. I've seen her in very others. Um, she does have a 
an MMA background if those who don't know this. But she um she knows how to do technicians. But if you guys haven't seen her, she will be mostly with um Alex Ribbon. But the main promotion she's been with is of course the um uh what was it? Oh yeah, World Women Pro Wrestling Diana. That's where she's mostly been. She was trained there. But yeah, uh, she has been in various promotions, uh, even Gleet, the other Japanese promotion that has, but, yeah, you see, you get my drift, but, um, it was a pretty good match, and it makes me laugh, I still rewatch it, because I love it when how Madeline bits, he's a, she's a bit more dramatic, while Zuzu's like, oh my god, I'm stuck with a fairy princess, <laughs> but, I mean, I wish they would have put translations on this, but no, it didn't happen. I wish it could have done that, but, <sighs> well, hopefully in the future they can. But that's pretty much what I'm going to say right now about it. Now, our next topic, I wish I would have done this on the last episode. We have the return of Kyrie Zane. Now goes by Kyrie, all caps, no last name. Now... Some of you probably ask yourself this question, like, why, what's going on with Kyrie Zane? If you guys didn't know or don't know, well, she returned to to stardom recently. Uh, this was bit of the uh, expected from many fans who wanted to see this now. You probably ask yourselves this obvious question. Why is this um, important? I'll tell you why. Kyrie Zane has spent five years from 2010 to 2015 being um, a stardom. She was one of the three original aces with Io Shirai and Mayu Utani. And then when she left in 2017... Um, for WWE that was like the biggest thing and she was one of the like their version of the Musketeers like kind of like New Japan <clears throat> but we know she hasn't wrestled since 2020 it was the biggest shock that we ever seen coming out um I think a lot of people were wondering if we'll ever see her wrestle again but I remember back in 2019 when Bushi Road purchased stardom they wanted to buy Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai back. Now, it's impossible to do that because WWE will never want to lose any of their top talent, like talent that they invested in. And I feel that many fans who seen Kyrie in WWE wish she were already captured the WWE, the 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 W the Women's Raw Championship or SmackDown. She's been tag champion, but not the ones that we wanted to see her in. She was NXT women's champion but that's about it but the real question remained why happened then well we do know that she was she got married to her fiance who's living in japan she was a bit homesick but she never wrestled now in march in 2021 Kyrie asked permission while she was still in japan to wwe if she can wrestle for a one-off in stardom and their response was no a simple no now it's like, come on! You allowed uh, Hide um, Kenta, who was known as Hideo Itomi, to wrestle for a one-off at Pro Wrestling Noah, and now you said no, which was very unusual. But however, um, 
But however, um, the way I see it, uh, WWE really, really are dumb in this one. As you know, she was working as an ambassador for WWE for their Japanese division. As you know, they were trying to get many of the Japanese promotions and um, Japanese wrestlers on the WWE bandwagon, but it did not happen like they would have hoped, and they shut down that. And then uh, later on, like right after Wrestle Kingdom, they started throwing these vignettes that uh, starred Saya Kamitani, where Saya Kamitani shows up and tells Rossi Ogawa, the founder and now executive producer of Stardom, asking for a match against Kota Ibushi. Now, throughout this entire time, while she's trying to pursue this match, she saw this mysterious woman. She doesn't know who she is, but later she's starting looking closely and she's starting to see, did I just saw who I think I saw? And that kind of puts it in in a very interesting topic. We don't know exactly. So it was more like, who is it? And of course, many fans were already thinking it the same thing. It has to be Kyrie. It was, it was like no other explanation. And that kind of puts it in a very interesting topic. And the more vignettes that were coming out, there was one vignette where Saya was already told by Rossi, do not talk about what you just saw. Which apparently... Uh, some people can say she's the worst kept secret ever. Basically, Saya opened her mouth to the new girl named Momokogo. And, of course, uh, Rossi wasn't sure what he heard. Basically, he was suspicious that Saya Kamitani broke her, her, um, the rule, do not talk about it. So, basically, she called her up saying, what was that that I saw you were talking to Mo so she kind of sugarcoated it, trying to say, I didn't say anything. It was something else. And he was like pleading with her, are you sure? Yes. So, and then all of a sudden, in this one match in Cork and Hall, Momoko called out Sayakamitani. This was part of an eight-person tag match between Stars and Queen's Quest. As you know, Sayakamitani is a member of Queen's Quest, while Momokogo is the new girl with Stars. So she was about to spill the beans, telling everybody what did she saw and then the moment arrives when the rest of stars took out queen's quest and they wanted her to just say who did you saw who was this mysterious woman she was about to spill the beans but luckily uh Qu queen's quest were able to stop it and they both utami and azumi hit her in the head slapped her in the head and tell her to shut up which she did and of course more things started arise apparently once again People just don't know how to keep their mouth shut. So Momo decided to, to was approached by Unagi Sayaka, who is kind of like the unofficial gatekeeper of stardom. And she asked Momo, who is it? So Momo told her with using this modified cone and told her who it was. And Saya overheard it too. And Rossi Ogawa shows up thinking maybe the same thing, asking what was it all about. So they kind of sugarcoated it, trying to tell we didn't say anything. And then later, there was another vignette where we see the the star, uh, girls of stars, uh, Azuki, Koguma, and Mayu were all hanging out. And I think they were a bit curious to find out who is. But I felt like Azuki, since she was named the instructor to Momokogo, that she probably can get her to talk. But of course, once uh, Azuki and, and Momo left, uh, Rossi Ogawa came by 
I'm presuming he was looking for to tell to keep her mouth shut, which he was too late to stop. And then later, the the final video vignette shows where Momo was in that one um, venue, the KSB Hall, which is a pretty good stained glass venue. Um, apparently, Mayu wanted to know who was this mysterious woman, and she told. And here comes Sayakamitani saying, you told, did you? And she goes, yeah, I, I told. How many people did you tell? And her response, 10. And she's like, it's supposed to be a secret. And here comes Rossi Ogawa telling them, it's okay to talk about it now. Um, the mysterious person's coming in on the 18th of February, which already passed. And, of course, everybody's suspicions were correct. It was Kyrie Sane. So you probably ask yourselves now, what is her plans? Now, last thing before this whole thing happened, we know she received a certification for psychology and this is in the wake of what happened to Hana Komura as you know I think she's trying to play leader to help these girls not to deal with the same kind of fate that Hana suffered by some pricks who told her that she should take her own life and then of course she opened up her gym I mean she looks in fantastic shape when I saw her so she was doing a press conference she was interrupted by Unagi Tam Nakano was not far behind now, keep in mind, there are some girls that know who she is. She's a bit of a legend. There are those who came into stardom right after um, Kyrie actually left. And Tam Nakano is one of them. So, um, what was it? Kyrie Singh was impressed by the Tam and Unagi. But, however, she, on night one of the of the climax that she has, she's going. she wants them to be in a tag match. And she picked Mayu. But however, her second match was later pronounced when um, Oda Tai, consistent of uh, Starlight Kid, Ruka, and what's her name, Rina, they lost to Hime Boy. They, ta they targeted her, trying to beat her down until she was rescued by Kairi Sane, who was an old friend of Natsupoi. And, of course, Kid wants the match because she's been pissed off knowing that Kairi Zane received the VIP package not to mention she probably wished she never came back so that sort of thing so we will see some matches but it's still unclear whether she will be as a full-time member or a freelancer I don't know it's still no information about that so I will keep a prize to that now our next discussion this one was a few days ago as you know this was come to a shock WWE superstar Cesaro quit WWE and you probably and then the whole thing with him he has no compete clause which is a good thing now some of you are saying why is that a good thing if he doesn't have a compete clause well apparently his contract expired so he basically can't work with anybody now I know some of you are thinking in the back of your head AEW so that's the thing now I don't know if he's the right fit for AW. The reason I say this is Cesaro he's 41 years old and I get it that he looks still young, but the one thing that really really pisses fans off including myself that Cesaro never got the big push that he that he should have gotten when he was a WWE. And that kind of puts us fans question like what the hell is wrong with you W? You got a really good star here. And you don't see that he has a right to be a champion. And that kind of pisses me off that they didn't do that. And many fans, including the WWE talent, were shocked. 
And I think that many of them question, how could this happen? I'm like, come on. Guys, you have people that work in that company that don't do their jobs right. The creative team, I have to say, there are a load of pencil neck dorks who don't do their jobs right. They have no creative plans whatsoever. They just really screw things up. And they don't see Cesaro. He, he should have been champion. I don't know if they think, oh, he's not championship material, that sort of thing. I'm like, that's... That's a load of crap, in my opinion. But now the logical step is, where is he going to go? I mean, we still haven't heard anything from him. Did he make plans to go wrestle somewhere else? Like, I know some of you are saying AEW, but, I mean, that can't be the only option. There's, of course, we got, um, what was it? Uh, we got NWA. We got... Um, Impact Wrestling. Anywhere he could go. I think that's where many fans need to realize. He can go anywhere, but at this moment, it's kind of impossible to determine where is he going to be now. Now, I'm not saying this because I said so. It's because, you know, there is no telling right now that, um, how do I put this? That we don't even know for sure exactly if that's the case. I mean, look. He should have been already getting a big push for a title match. For a WWE title or a Universal title. That is one of the things that kind of pisses me off. That they never done with him in the past. And that kind of puts me to question. What is wrong with WWE? Why are they not doing things like that? But, hell. I had to say their creative team. They suck. Monkey balls. They should have known better to give him a good push, but no. But hopefully we'll see him somewhere where he can thrive and get the bigger push that he should have gotten to begin with. So hopefully somewhere we'll find out more what's going on and we'll see where, where they're going to go. Now, recent times I've talked about people like prominence an all-female um, unit or faction that are based on death matches and hardcore matches then there's uh, colors girls pro uh, pro wrestling unit uh, consistent of women who participated with at-risk girls and then recently there is this new thing called nomads consistent of four particular female Yoshi wrestlers there is Surimi Natsu, Rina Yamashita, Maya Yuki, Yukihi, and Miyuki Takase. Now, you probably ask yourself, is this like a unit or something? Actually, from what I can tell, I'll explain it. All these four women have something in common. And I'll explain it. These women are all freelancers. If you guys probably wondering what that means. I'll tell you. These are women who work with multiple promotions all over Japan, such as Ice Ribbon, um, Marvelous, Sandai Girl, anywhere in Japan, including Stardom. So this is more of where like we're seeing freelancers, Yoshi freelancers being supported by this. Now, let's talk about the individuals who are involved. There's Sarume Natsu. Now, if you guys never heard of her, uh, I'll tell you who she is. The first time I've ever heard of her 
she was part of the faction known as Odetai when Kagetsu was still around. And so when Tam and, what's her name, Hana Kimura was still with the, with the unit. But unfortunately, um, well, Natsu Sarumi, she was one of the most interesting wrestlers. Um, in 2020, she suffered a hip injury and she was going to be out for quite some time trying to recuperate. But recently, from what uh, happened last year, turns out from coming from Natsuko Tora, who is the current leader of the faction after Kagetsu left, um, Natsurume uh, Natsu left Stardom. Uh, as you know, she was not officially a member of the roster. But the question remained: Will we ever see her wrestle? Well, I know she's been posting a lot on, but it turns out that she on their first show they're gonna have the. Um, She's not going to be participating. She's going to be more of the administrator behind the scene. Now, some of you probably say, is that even wise from her? Well, I don't know if you can say it's wise, but I can tell you maybe she just wants to be careful. You know, because in the wrestling business, you may never know if you are going to get hurt again. And that's the last thing that any of these Yoshi wrestlers want is to get hurt. But yeah. Um. What else? And then here's uh, what's her name? Rina Yamashita. Uh, I've seen her before on many occasions with Ice Ribbon, uh, many promotions that she's worked. Uh, but she's been mostly involved with, of course, um, with Freedoms, which she is a deathmatch wrestler herself. So that kind of puts it in a very particular way. Um, I seen her with Freedoms. I seen her in very other. She even participated in Hikari Noah's first ever death match on on Tokyo Shifro. And yeah, not to mention she was here in the U.S. for a couple of GCW events. One of them was where she get involved with uh, Acticus Koger, the biggest piece of crap in the world. So yeah, and I don't know what's her role in it, but it was told she's going to wrestle on this particular day. I will give that day later on in a little bit um next one is maya yukihi now i've seen her before she's also a freelancer uh most notable in ice ribbon when she teams up with risa Serra, known as asude revolution uh they were one of the best tag teams ever um not to mention she has participated in death matches alongside the members of prominence before they were known as prominence um she also participates with many promotions. Recently, she has been appearing in DDT, mostly um, taking on the only woman who's involved in DDT, and that is Sa uh, Saki Akia. So I, it's pretty great to see her involved. I just can't wait what she's going to do. But uh, there was an article recently about her where Maya was considering going to AEW. Uh to be honest with you, I was a bit surprised to hear that. Uh, but here's the best part. Unlike Riho, uh, Shikaru Shida, and Misakura, um, Maya Yuhiki knows how to speak English. She's very fluently. She also speaks various languages. So she has a degree in communications. And that is a definite plus. And there's still no telling when we will see her. I mean... The only thing is, will Tony Khan be interesting and bring her in? Because as you know, a lot not a lot of the Yoshi wrestlers in AEW, such as, I know Ryo is out on injury. She's currently in Japan. Hikaru Shida, she's 
uh, currently in Japan for the Maki uh, shows that she normally gets involved in. But hopefully one day we can see her, but um, I will keep a prize more. And the final member is Miyuki Takase. I've seen her on many prom uh, promotions all over Japan as well. Uh, I'm not sure what's her role, but I'm assuming she will be involved with the promotion with the show. But yeah, but the announcement of this event will take place on the 20th of February called No Home. Yes, ambitions. So basically, it's more like what this nomads means is these women are not involved in the particular promotion. They're not sticking to one organization. Like, for example, when you're in a, in a promotion, that's who you're staying in. But when you're working various promotions, it's like you just keep on moving like a nomad. And that kind of explains a lot about them. So I will keep more prize about this one to all of you and hopefully see what happens then. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is the situation that's been going on with the NOAA Juniors, you know, the Junior Heavyweight Division in Pro Wrestling NOAA. I mentioned before, Yohei was um, kicked out of Los Perros del Mar de Japón due to the fact that um, one guy had enough of him because he was nothing but a goody two-shoes. And, of course, Yohei was rescued by Atsuke Koroge. And, of course... Yohei volunteered himself to be the latest member of the Noah Jr. regular army. Almost everybody were happy for him that he made his move except for one. And this one was, of course, Hajime Ohara. Now, before you ask, why did Hajime had a problem? Now, Hajime and Yohei were once part of a awesome trios faction based only on junior uh, heavyweights, such as himself, Yohei, and of course, Seki uh, uh, Yoshioka. Now, Yoshioka made the decision to turn on Full Throttle, which was the unit that he was in, and sided with Stinger because he wanted more, more of the intention, more of the success as a junior Noah. And out of nowhere, Yohei was picked up by Ron Guy when they form a sort of group but it was still unclear what the name was as for Hajime he was rescued by Kodoge because Hajime has this really strong beliefs about the Junior Noahs making them one of the best wrestlers in the world and I thought it makes sense about them but however having Yohei involved he doesn't trust them because he believes after what happened the last time he can't trust them whatsoever but he made his decision to defect from the Noah Junior Army and join Congo. Now, you probably say to yourselves, why them? Why Congo? Well, Congo are a very interesting faction. These are the kind of guys who are saying, you guys are a bunch of fakes. We are the real deal. No more illusions. No more playing favorites. No more being the, the company favorite. That has always been their motto. And Hajime feel he has these beliefs that how do I say, he's a real deal as a junior heavyweight. And I understand exactly what he's talking about. But uh, Tadasuke, who is one of its members, I don't know if he's like the unofficial leader of the junior Noahs because the actual leader of Congo is um, Keno. And frankly, that's what happened. So he was happy that he joined. However, 
It turns out things did not go well for Congo whatsoever. Another member of the junior Noahs from Congo had a change of heart. He turned on Congo, and Tadasuke did not like it. He beat the crap out of him and removed his mask until finally he was rescued by the Noah Junior Army. And this guy was Aleja. Aleja, who was originally known as Alejandro, was uh, kicked out because he turned on them. But this time he's offering his his himself to be the latest member of, of course, the Noah Junior Regular Army. Now the curious thing is, uh, what's he going to wear now that he's no longer going to be wearing uh, red? It's going to be completely white. It's the same thing we thought with um, with Yohei, but now Yohei, he... He, he seems happier. He's currently now uh, the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions with Asuke Kodoge. That's one of his plans that he wants. But Aleja is still unclear what he's planning. I can't wait to see what the plans are. Now, before you ask anything to me, you ask, why is the no uh, Junior Noah's important? Why it's so special about them? Let me explain the history of the Noah Juniors so you can understand. Matsuharu Misawa, if you guys know who he is, he was the founder of Pro Wrestling Noah. He was one of All Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, top guys, one of the top stars. But the one thing he noticed was the lack of credibility for the junior division in All Japan Pro Wrestling. Amongst them was, of course, um, was um, Naomichi Marifuji. Now, Misawa knows he can elevate the junior heavyweight division more than he could ever do but however i don't think he was able to do it in all japan due to the the behavior of makoto baba as you know makoto baba wanted to change a different direction and that's what led to masawa leaving but he did made the junior heavyweight division a top priority in noah and that's why i call the, they're calling themselves the noah juniors now the the junior heavyweight division is more interesting than the actual heavyweight division in Pro Wrestling Noah. And in Pro Wrestling Noah, in New Japan, it's a lot more different. So they have a different um, concept what they build upon. And that's pretty much okay. And that, I like it. But do I have to say who's the best in that? I don't think. I don't know. I feel like. I don't know. They're both evenly matched. But if I have to pick who had the better junior heavyweights, I have to say it's New Japan. But. Hopefully something can change. I'm not sure. But that's why I'm a fan of the Noah Juniors. And hopefully things will be exactly like I hope for. But I'll keep a prize on that. So hope everybody enjoys this particular episode. Me talking about the match with uh, FMW-E. Uh, Kyrie Sane returns to stardom. Cesaro, Nomads, and of course the Noah Juniors. So I'll see you guys the next time on this podcast. So I must bid all of you adieu. So goodbye. And have a nice day. Bang.